Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. All right, let's talk about team capacity today and namely how daily firefighting sucks that capacity. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have actually felt like it's just constant chaos or you're living in constant crisis mode? I know when I was directing and managing programs, that's what it felt like. Like it was just, I didn't even have to be at work that day and the chaos would come my way through texts, through phone calls, through emails. You know, my job right now is actually to help teams get better results. Like that's what I spend my time doing. And I do that by like pretty much helping them improve their processes because that's the place that I think most folks don't spend as much time on. They focus a lot on the relationships and how to manage people, but we sometimes um, lay rest to the processes. And specifically, like, what are your processes to manage your team, right? I think that, that space, like, it's little to no attention. And that's really the crux of what we're gonna be talking about today. So, with that, here's what I know. I know that most of the time, for most people, balancing workloads and capacity and balancing that with demand of, of the work, um, and the needs is probably one of the greatest challenges facing organizations. It has an impact on their productivity, their ability to you know, move the work through, but also like on engagement and people's feeling of, of fulfillment, right? And there's these constant conflicts between competing priorities, conflicting demands, and constant crisis that can, you know, frankly feel never ending. So um, I, I would see one of the challenges that I experienced, and I know other folks that I work with experience is pe keeping people feeling engaged in the midst of all this, and it's just difficult. So in my experience, organizations that are typically struggling with constant firefighting um, and just living in chaos mode, usually are experiencing four common management breakdowns. There are others, but these four seem to be like the ones that stick out no matter where I go. And the first one is that managers or staff, they just can't see the work, right? So a lot of the teams I work with um, live in the world of knowledge work. In other words, the work that they create um, is created through conversation, through um, the abstract. It's not like putting together physical widgets, right? So if you think about that, plans, schedules, priorities, all of these tend to be invisible. Um, and they're often coordinated um, through the head instead of through the world. And what I mean by that is they're coordinated through conversation, through email, through um through post-it notes, people are tracking what the plans are. Um, maybe like in their own um, minds, maybe they're, they're buried away in like people's files, like this is what we're up to. Um, but others really can't see how much work anyone has. And that's a problem. And the reason that's a problem is because when folks can't see how much work we have, they give us more, right? Assuming that we can deal with it. Or we take on more because we're not really clear about how much work we have. Like we know what we have to do, right? Like you might look at your calendar um, or your task list and say, this is what I have to do. But we're not super facile with breaking that work down and understanding what parts of it we actually have to get done to complete the whole and how much time it's actually going to take. And the reason we don't really know that is because a lot of our work isn't repeatable. These are unstructured processes. And so that's really important. When we can't see the work, it has a massive impact on our ability to really master our capacity, right? And, and some recent research done, nearly 70% of workers feel like they have too much work on their plates. 
And I, you know, I can relate to that. I've seen it over and over again. And I know for myself, um, I can easily get in that place if I am not making my work visible. So that's a big, a, a big place to focus on. Usually when I come into an organization is, can I see their work? Like, can they tell me what does work for this week? What kind of work exists? So I can begin to understand what the volume looks like and the type of work that's going on. So the second breakdown that typically I see is that managers or staff, they can't see the work move. Right? So if the first one is you can't see the work, then it follows that you usually can't see the work move, right? Because the work itself is invisible. So it's hard to see how like a plan is progressing. You know, maybe if it's project-based, someone has a project plan somewhere, you know, but we end up wasting people's time sending emails. Have you ever gotten an email or request like, what's the status of such and such? What's going on with, you know, project X or whatever? The minute someone sends that email or the request, it's kind of like pulled us away from what we were doing. It's, it's actually creating waste in our day, right? Because think about that. You have to spend time um, opening and, and understanding the request, thinking about how to respond, investigating and searching for answers, maybe looping others in, right? And then crafting your response. And, and, and all of that could actually be um, done really quickly, but sometimes we don't even know what's behind the question, right? And then there's follow-up responses. So, you know, it, this is powerful. It doesn't really matter what your work is when we can't see it and see it move, you know, for for ourselves as a team, right? For us individually, it's helpful to understand like, you know, how we're moving with our pace. But I really mean like as teams, if we can't see how work is moving along, we can't see where work is being neglected, where there's bottlenecks, where there are obstacles, right? Um, where there might be potential dependencies. So all these things really start to show up um, and, and impact us later when we can't see the work move. And it really doesn't matter if you are um, an individual contributor or if you're a manager or leader. I mean, think about managers. I always ask them what's their work and they don't really know. They're like, I'm just busy fighting fires and solving problems. I'm like, great. Your work is how many decisions are on your plate to be able to make sure that you resolve today? How many consults are people waiting um, from you to weigh in on something around so they can be able to move forward? Um, how many approvals are folks waiting on from you? Um, and there's probably even tasks, right? So there are a number of things that we do, but we don't really think about um, how to quantify our work and how to make it move. So that's critical as a really big second management breakdown. So I would say the third uh, obstacle or breakdown that typically shows up is that managers and staff can't see the obstacles to the work, right? So one, they can't see the work. Two, they can't see the work move. And then three, obviously as a result of that, they cannot see the obstacles that are, are popping up. So issues stay hidden, you know, or sitting waiting for someone to just make a decision. Um, which eventually just leads to crisis. We know that typically like a crisis, however you want to define that, is actually like a big problem is made up of tiny smaller problems typically. And if we were able to see those tinier problems um, when they first came up and could deal with them, then they wouldn't have the impact that a crisis does because crisis usually requires more time, more thought, more energy, more people, more resource to solve. And I think that's that's what happens to many of us. They just they seem like they land on us, but we're not able to deal with them. And here's the big deal. You know, when we're able to see small problems frequently, like we want to see them and we want to see them when they're small and we want to see them frequently, then we can deal with them more effectively. But here's the bigger deal. When we can see the work and see it move, we don't have to respond to obstacles anymore. We can begin to become more predictive, right? So what's about to happen? And that's really a big deal. So, um, you know, I think that this management breakdown, I'm always asking folks, what's your work? Can I see it? How much is there to do? Can I see it move? Like, what's the progress? Nope, you can't tell me. Great. 
What are the major obstacles right now to your work moving? I can't see that anywhere. It usually lives maybe like in a meeting minute, you know, um, maybe on an issue log buried somewhere, but um, I'm talking real time. And by real time, I mean close to real time as possible, you know, within the last, you know, day or hours. That's what I'm looking for. Well, and then finally, I would say the, the last breakdown I see is that teams just don't meet often enough to align. Like, I don't want them to meet, but I mean, that last part's not a throwaway. They don't meet often enough to align, right? Our management processes, our management routines and rhythms need to keep pace with the process. And if you've got a slow cycling process, you can you know, meet in a really slow um, pace. But most of our work is highly variable, constantly changing and ever evolving, right? So when teams wait for weekly staff meetings to talk about issues, it's just too late to do anything about them, right? Even if you're talking more frequently, it's still an issue, right? Overcoming these breakdowns is not easy. These are the four, right? Um, you know, most workers I feel like have more choices and more technology than I did when I was managing. Um, and right now it's just growing. So the options are there. The problem is very few actually know how to filter through all the competing priorities they receive and flawlessly, I think, execute on the most important priorities. You know, and, and I gotta be fair, so I think that most managers don't create their own chaos. Let me just go on record as saying that. I think that they usually inherit it in some way, shape, or form. I'm not trying to let people off the hook, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm stating that a lot of folks will come into an organization and they're almost just dropped into a system. But here's the deal. Work teams typically operate in silos. They rely maybe on staff meetings or emails or texts or DMs to communicate, right? And some teams may even speed up the pace of information, right? By, by introducing all of this instant messaging only to find that improving performance isn't really about sending information faster. I think we make a massive mistake here. And this, I wouldn't say this is a fifth one, but I'm just saying this goes along with not being able to align. We make a mistake of trying to improve the pace of communication with the wrong tool. We might use tools based on send and wait, right? Like a text, like an email, like um, an IM, even if we think folks are online. And here's the problem. That works great when the request is clean and clear and simple. Clear and simple. When that request requires even a little bit more discussion for clarity and has a hint of complexity to it, then it's no good, right? And most of our issues in our organizations are this way. They're complex or adaptive. I mean, they just are, right? So when this is a pattern, when a lot of the communication that goes out is requiring some conversation for clarity and some sifting through complexity to create clarity, right? When that's a pattern, when that's happening, then you need a rhythm that's built into your workday. It's not enough to use these tools that are send and wait. And I think that's a big thing to pay attention to. So think about it for a second. When a team grows from one to two people, right? There's two-way communication. When there's two people, there's two points of communication. When that team grows from two to three people, it only it just appears like you're adding one more person, one more relationship. And and to be frank, you are. But let's just be clear here. What most of us miss is the interrelationship is actually growing dramatically. When we grow from two to three people, we don't have three data points, we have six. We now have six different communication points that are going on. 
um, between back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between all three people. And I think that's important to understand. It requires exponentially more effort to stay aligned and integrated as a team with your work when you go from two to three. Now think about that. Imagine the level of effort that's needed when you've got a team of five, 10, 25, keep going, right? right? We focus on managing the relationships, the bodies, when we should be paying attention to the interrelationships, the number of back and forth in between us, because that's what it requires. When we have this stop and wait kind of communication, you know, that's I think really important that gets missed is that we think we can just speed up the flow of, of information, but really it's not the flow of information that's important. It's the ability to bring people together to create clarity and alignment so they can move forward. That's really often based on the kind of work that we do, what we need to pay attention to. I, I really think it takes incredible discipline for teams to stay continuously aligned and integrated in any organization. But I think it takes even more discipline to do so day in and day out. I mean, truly, creating this culture of focus and alignment, I think requires you have a system in place to anchor your management. Like you can get incredible results off of managing people and having great managers. And that is always gonna be a truth, but you're gonna get consistent and sustainable results when you have reliable systems and processes in place to manage your folks. And I just think that that's just, it's been proven, right? So the thought for today is less a thought, really a more a set of disciplines. Um, four to be exact, I call them the four disciplines of daily management. Uh, and, and these come from my experience uh, spending you know over 10 years working with teams around lean management. Now, these come from you know uh, my experience working with lean management, but I wouldn't say that we're gonna be talking about lean right now because I think sometimes that puts people off. Um, but here's the deal. The four disciplines, they're simple. They're super repeatable. They're, they're proven as a formula for balancing your team's capacity and priorities in the midst of the daily urgency, which is really what we're trying to figure out. Most of us try to approach you know, doing our work, forgetting or assuming that the daily urgency isn't part of the equation, and it is. So here are those four disciplines. Make the work visible, right? We wanna make it visible real time. We want everyone to be able to see it. Second one, make the work move. We need to make sure that we're able to see this work move forward or where it's stalling. The third one is make obstacles visible. We really wanna make sure that if we can see the work and see it move, we can start to see issues frequently, right? And then the fourth, the fourth discipline is initiate a cycle of continuous alignment. And it's these four disciplines that really work in counter to those four management breakdowns. And what we're trying to do here by creating like a new experience is we're shifting typically teams from living in constant firefighting and crisis mode and, and typically living in daily individualized troubleshooting and firefighting because that's typically how people are experiencing it to a culture or an experience that I describe as daily team-based problem solving and experimentation. It goes from one that's more reactive to one that's more predictive. And that's really at the heart of creating adaptability. All right, so let's talk about it. Discipline number one, make the work visible as real time as possible. Make your processes speak. That's really important. And we wanna make the processes speak by visualizing them for the team to see. If you can't see the work, you can't manage it effectively. The end, honestly. So the question really is, what aspect of the work does the team need to see together? Is it their capacity? Like, this comes from the question of where is the team struggling with their pain, right? So maybe it's their capacity, maybe it's project status, maybe it's daily priority, maybe it's plans, maybe it's schedule, whatever it is, right? 
What is it that the team needs to see? Management will need to see something daily, for sure. But it sometimes differs from what the, the pains are that the team is experiencing. So that's the first thing to think about. Secondly, make the work move real time, right? So I want you to visually show the status of your work to assess progress and priority. Like the more you can see what is moving forward and what is not, the more likely you will be to mitigate an issue ahead of time versus respond to crisis later, right? And the five biggest things we want to show is one, so work in process. I want to see how much work there is to do and where in process it is. That's, that's, some people say that's crazy. Um, you know what? Big processes, big visuals. That's important. I just, that's my mantra. WIP or work in process is the leading indicator that your workflow is congested, right? So more WIP, more congestion. It's pretty simple. More cars on a freeway, the slower the traffic, right? It's, it's not that difficult. So you got to pay attention to it. The freeway outside is designed maybe to hold a thousand cars on it. And traffic is, is going to suck when you have all thousand cars on it, right? It's designed to perform better when there's 650, let's say, or less. So WIP is really important, work in process. I, you know, I've sat with so many teams that just aren't able to show me how much work they actually have in process or the different kinds of work that they have. Maybe they don't know how many referrals they have in process or they realize that there are actually two or three different kinds of referrals based on the speed or complexity or the level of detail that's needed to be able to process them. That's critical, right? Or how much time it takes to do these things. So if you don't know that information about your business, how can you ever expect to you know, manage capacity and demand? You end up defaulting to managing people. So this is super important. It's a foundational starting point. If you can't see the work and you can't service problems, and if you can't service problems, you're going to get sucked into crisis. I would say the second thing to watch out for in making the work move are understanding and being able to visualize dependencies. And so there's really three kind of dependencies. Uh, some are known and some are unknown, but the three kind are expertise, right? So you're waiting for someone to weigh in or to consult or to give like some kind of subject matter expertise on something. Um, maybe you're waiting, so the second, time, the second type is a task. So maybe you're waiting for someone to complete their work so you can do your piece. And the third kind is more of an approval. So you're waiting for you know, your manager to come out of a meeting to say, yes, you can take vacation or you're waiting on the city to finish up their, uh, you know, permitting process. You can move forward, whatever that looks like, right? Here's the deal. Every dependency doubles. I'm going to repeat that. Doubles your chances of being delayed or late, right? And that doesn't mean that like you're going to get rid of dependencies because you, sometimes you just can't. But the issue here isn't necessarily reducing dependencies. You know, if you can, great. But that's usually not, you know, within our realm of control. What is in our realm of control is seeing as quickly and as clear as possible what the dependencies are and where are they in process, right? Because inevitably, when we can't see them, it means that we're stuck because we're waiting for people, information, answers, approval, etc., right? So I think that's really important. Your mission truly is to visualize these known dependencies and bring teams together, often for fast and focused huddles to be able to see that, right? So that's, I think, a big part of this work. Real quickly, I'm going to give you, you know, the last three here when you think about making the work move. So we've talked about seeing the work in process, seeing dependencies, unplanned work, huge one, right? You know, so much of our work tends to be unplanned. It just pops up on us. In fact, research done shows that for the average individual contributor, because this is obviously going to be different for managers, up to 35% of our work week is actually um, spent engaged in unplanned work. You didn't know it was coming. Now, some of you might feel like that sounds about right. Some of you might feel like, you know what, that just seems low. 
If you're a manager, almost you know a fair amount of your job is, is unplanned, it's just unstructured. This is huge because if you're trying to manage your workload and you can't see it, that's a problem. And usually when I'm talking about seeing it, I'm talking about being able to see your planned work. But what we almost always fail to do, even um, when I walk into organizations and they've, got a, they've done a great job visualizing their work, they have not visualized the unplanned. And I think that's really important. We wanna see that, we wanna see it moving. The fourth thing I wanna see when I'm talking about making work move is I wanna see conflicting priorities as you understand them, okay? Because that leads to overload, it just does. When people are unsure, they might pause or they take on more than they need to or they'll spend time doing things that they shouldn't be. Um, and so we don't want to have people engage in rework because that just sucks their time, their engagement, their you know passion for the work, right? So we wanna see that. And then the last thing we wanna see is neglected work. Um, and of course it comes last, you know, haha. Um, but quite frankly, oftentimes stuff goes on hold um, or it's waiting for a response and it just kind of falls off or we had a conflicting priority and then we put something on hold or pause and then we forgot about it. So we want to make sure that we see that work that's sitting there because it might be something that we don't have to come back to, but if it is, what typically happens, and you tell me if you've had a, ever had this experience, you know, we put something on pause and then like a week later, someone's like, hey, what's the status of such and such? And you're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, that was on pause because this is what happened. And now you, you can start to hear me, right? What we don't have are results anymore, we have explanations. And we don't want that. So we want to make sure all of this is visible so that we can begin to see and have conversations around, okay, what comes next? And I, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to be disingenuous. This says easy. It does hard. Like I want to be clear about that, but it gives us a better shot at managing this stuff. Cause when this stuff is invisible, our throughput, our productivity, our sense of fulfillment is exponentially drained, right? I hope you hear me on that. Okay. Our third discipline is make obstacles visible, real time, right? So our first discipline is make the work visible. The second one is make the work move, and there's five aspects to that. The third one is make obstacles visible, right? So visually track your issues and their remedies and their owners and the timeline and the status, right? To keep the teams aligned. I think that's a big deal because a lot of times I'll, I'll meet with teams um, and they maybe have what's called like a hot board and they'll be talking about issues that arise and you know, maybe what they're doing about it, but there's so much missing from it. Like, I don't know who's owning the resolution. I don't know when it's supposed to be completed. I don't know the status, you know, that might be super stale. Maybe that we need to come back to it later in the day. Teams that see together, and I mean see their work and their issues together, can learn together and act together. But when people can't see together, there's no way they can learn from each other and they'll never act in concert, right? Like we, when we don't see together, we can only act in silos and, and our best ideas are lost in the whirlwind of the daily crisis. And that's just sad, it's a waste, right? Our goal is to actually move away from this daily individualized troubleshooting in silos to something that I described earlier is, as daily team-based problem solving and experimentation. So that's really what we want. And our fourth discipline then would be to initiate a cycle of continuous alignment. So what that looks like is bringing teams together frequently, right, for, for the two Fs, fast and focused, right? I'm gonna say that again. Bring teams together frequently for fast and focused check-ins to align on plans, issues, and priorities, or whatever it is that you're focused on. You know, and, and these are flash meetings. We call them huddles. Um, 
and you know what? They're never longer than 15 minutes. I've been a part of huddles that are as short as two minutes long, especially when I'm in a call center. Sometimes those huddles are like 90 seconds. That's fine. They're never longer than 15 minutes. If you go longer than 15 minutes, it's no longer a huddle. It's a meeting, right? So they have to be fast and super focused. And really think about it. What could you accomplish if you could huddle with your team to see the work, see it move, and see emerging issues? You know, when you have the right team, you know, in the same place for just a small amount of time, right? With a really clear agenda, you know, break. So it just changes the game. So there you have it. Those are the four disciplines. Make the work visible, make it move, make obstacles visible, and initiate a cadence um, or a cycle of continuous uh, alignment. And I, I just want to make sure I share that the four disciplines, they actually integrate continuous improvement principles into your daily management, right? Because the foundation for improvement is standardization. And in this case, it's alignment on whatever it is you're focused on, which is powerful. It creates a simple, powerful performance management system. I know that you can get more complex with it, but this is a starting point, I think, for most folks. You know, and more than that, the ability to focus on your critical priorities or manage what's in your control, visualize the work and consistently track issues, it creates the conditions for you know, a culture change, quite frankly, that both I've experienced firsthand and also create with teams quite frequently. And, and that culture change is based on accountability and teamwork. It, it's, it's amazing. Okay, so that's your dose of thought revolution for today. I know that you wake up each day with a bend to make a difference, to, I mean, to really matter in the world. And my goal for you is you spend less time making it work and more time making a difference. If you want to learn more about the four disciplines, uh, please visit our website at www.impactconsultancy.org. My name is Chris Inebro. Don't forget to like, comment, or leave a question for me. And please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. All right, see you next time.